Good morning and welcome to Tinker Talks, a podcast that discusses all things Tinker and allows you, the listener, to get a better idea of what goes on behind the gates of one of the largest Air Force bases in the world. I am Mark Hybers and will be your host for this month's uh, edition of the podcast. And this month we do have a special treat. We have a conversation with the commander of the 552 Air Control Wing, Colonel Jeffrey Weiss. You may be familiar, may not be familiar with the wing, but you probably may be familiar with the aircraft that they fly. It's the one with the big dome on top. Uh, with that said, Colonel Weiss, good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. Good morning. And if you would, if you could just kind of give us the 200 word about the uh, the background of who you are and okay. where you're from. Sure. Uh, you count the words and I'll, I'll do the talking. <laughs> right. Fair but, enough. Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, obviously I'm the commander of the 552 Air Control Wing. I'm entering uh, the last part of my second year. So it's hard to believe it's coming to an end. Uh, it all started for me in the Air Force back in 1993. I entered officer training school back then after working as a systems engineer uh, in Northern Virginia. And I've had a number of assignments, including NATO, NORAD, Air Combat Command, worked on the air staff and the joint staff as well. Uh, I'm a master air battle manager with over 2,500 hours total, over 300 hours combat and combat support. And I've commanded at the squadron group wing levels and this is my 25th year in the air force awesome that's great i think he came in at about 198 there okay perfect all right (laughs) Uh, so sir with that could could you kind of tell us what the 552 air control wing is and kind of a brief overview of what their mission is sure absolutely so the 552nd is america's wing uh, and we are the air force's center of gravity for battle management and command and control both airborne and on the ground Uh, What that means is that we train, develop, and employ combat-ready airmen and weapon systems to deliver decisive command of the air supporting America's national security priorities. And that really means that when the Air Force in in America needs to support its objectives around the world, if it has anything to do with the air domain, uh, we are going to be there providing that background, that command and control, that big picture Uh, that enables our leaders to get the effects and and accomplish the objectives they need to, regardless of what the scenario is. Uh, Our wing priorities spell out the word pride, and we're happy about that. Uh, It all starts with people, that's the P. Uh, The next is readiness, innovation, drive, and excellence. And it's easy to remember, obviously, pride, and if we keep our priorities in mind, we'll be sure to accomplish our mission whenever we need to. Awesome. Big, big wing, uh, very important mission. Um, so can you tell me uh, what operations or what locations do the 552 operate out of? Is it just here at Tinker? So obviously our headquarters is right here at Tinker. That's the wing headquarters. We also have squadrons at Dias Air Force Base in Texas, at Hill Air Force Base in Utah, and at Mountain Home Air Force Base in Idaho. It's a training squadron in, in Texas that does uh, some different training functions, actually Air Force-wide, but also supports the wing. Uh, and then our control and reporting centers, which are ground-based battle management command and control centers, uh, the, the operational squadrons that, that employ that weapon system are at Hill and Mountain Home. Uh, our operations and exercise certainly take our personnel and our weapon systems all across America and around the world to interesting places, uh, including just in the last year, South America. We've been to the Middle East and we're actually currently doing operations in the Middle East. We've been to Europe. Uh, frequently go there, uh, Hawaii and Japan, for example, just in the last uh, year. So while we're headquartered here, we certainly are, are busy all around the world. Right. And this, this certainly is a wing that you would not want to get into if you didn't really like 
traveling. I mean, you guys are always that, in and that's, out. That's and, true. Uh, a lot of our people spend a lot of time on the road, and that's part of the mission. Obviously, there's uh, fortunately one of the benefits of having a great air force and a great military is we keep our enemies at arm's length, and that means that we have to go where they are to make sure that they don't come here. Right. Awesome. Um, and so with that said, can you tell me what accomplishments has the 552 achieved in, in 2018 and what are you looking for this coming year? Sure. So the difficulty about categorizing or, or summarizing our accomplishments is there's a lot. <laughs> so right. there's a danger of leaving somebody out. But we've had quite a busy 2018. Uh, early last year, we had a NORAD inspection. We earned their highest rating of mission ready for air sovereignty missions, which is one of our important homeland defense missions. We also delivered overseas the first internet protocol enabled communications aircraft. So it's a modification to our uh, E3s, again, the, the uh, weapon system with the big dome on the top of it uh, that we do our airborne command and control mission with. We, we delivered those to the Middle East uh, to meet an urgent operational need that they had uh, to incre increase our connectivity in the battle space over there. We accomplished our first phase two readiness exercise in nearly a decade, which simulated combat operations from a remote location. We did that right here at Tinker, and that really brought our readiness for contingency operations, uh, in particular if we had to do something in the Korean theater up to uh, a high level. And I think it's part of the readiness that the U.S. displayed that did bring North Korea back to the bargaining table uh, last year uh, in some of those high visibility um, meetings between President Trump and Kim Jong-un. Uh, we welcome new maintenance operations and air control group commanders. So all those groups, uh, we had new commanders uh, stand up last year. Uh, we sustained operations in the Middle East, uh, primarily through Kingpin and our E3s, which has really uh, made a significant inroads into, into the destruction of ISIS as an effective uh, military extremist group over there. And we've also safeguarded our coalition forces from Iranian, Syrian, and Russian interference. Uh, last spring, we identified a potentially dangerous fuel system anomaly in the E3 weapon system. Uh, equipment on the system that we procured over the last 10 years was given us some faulty uh, indications. We identified what that problem was, and we've worked uh, procedures to make sure our crews and our aircraft are safe all the way all around the world. Uh, a couple other things uh, to highlight, we stood up a new training group. So uh, it's a brand new group. We used to have three groups here. Uh, now we have a training group that's responsible for our E3 training. So we have just the right balance of administration and execution now for that training function, which is the largest in Air Combat Command. We also executed protection missions for the G20 summit in South America and counter drug operations in the Caribbean, which netted us over $72 million of illegal drugs seized uh, on the southern border of the US. And we've been doing uh, America's Wing 2.0, which is a comprehensive uh, overhaul of America's Wing, uh, all of our functions along three lines of effort, which includes strategic messaging, mm -hmm. which is part of what we're doing here with the podcast, right. uh, as well as uh, human capital and infrastructure development and our weapon system upgrades. So uh, all these things, you put it together, uh, the Air Force awarded our wing just recently the Meritorious Unit Award, which is one of the highest unit awards the uh, Air Force can recognize a, a wing with, right. and that was for direct support to combat operations. So it's been a busy year, uh, 2018. Uh, I know you asked, what are we doing in 2019? So it's a tough act to follow up on, uh, but we've already uh, executed an increased presence in the Middle East. 
to safeguard the Syria withdrawal operations. Uh, fortunately, I think we're going to be getting some of those folks back soon, so mission accomplished on that one. Uh, this summer, both myself and the vice wing commander are going to swap out, so we've got to make sure that uh, the new commanders come in and they can take over uh, quickly and get us on track with everything that we're doing. And I also want to highlight that uh, we're very proud of our former maintenance group commander, Brian Moore, and our current vice commander, Gavin Marks. They were bo are both going to get their own wing commands this spring. Uh, so we're really excited awesome. about that. I've got to make you feel good as a commander to, to see that happen. Knowing Absolutely. That under your watch, so. they, were, they were able to, to increase their, their value to the Air Force. Right. Absolutely. So one of the one of the tenets of leadership in the Air Force is to develop new leaders, uh, to groom your replacements. So we're really excited about, I think Gavin Marks may be the first vice wing commander to move right into a wing command job after leaving uh, Tinker. So uh, out, out of the 552. So that's pretty uh, remarkable accomplishment. And so we're excited about him taking over the 55th wing. Although if you if you're reading the news, uh, the, they're base is underwater today <laughs> up in office. So right. once they get the water drained away, then I think he'll be ready to take over there. But uh, a lot of things going on, you know, a lot of things with our weapon system continue to be developed. We're trying to get to full operational capability on a block 4045 upgrade to the E3 weapon system. And we're trying to get to an initial operating co uh, capability on the 23 Alpha, which is the next generation of the ground-based control reporting center system. So the new commanders that are coming on board will really have a lot to sink their teeth into as they press forward and the legacy that we've started to establish. That's impressive. And it's just hard to think of that, that all of that happened like just in a 12 month period. And it's just baffling when you don't know the speed, the high speed missions that happen over here and you're not part of it every day. It's just, it's just mind boggling. Um, what, I know we didn't really uh, put this out for you in the beginning, but what does NORAD bring to the game, like what, how comprehensive is that for you guys to integrate that into your normal day-to-day -day Air Force operations? Is so NORAD or the North American Aerospace Defense Command's obviously been around a long time since the Cold War era to defend the sovereignty of the United States and Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is a it is a binational uh, kind of arrangement there. One of the reasons why we have Canadian co-manners here that have a long uh, history. In fact, they're celebrating their 40th year here soon. And so our association with NORAD goes back to the very beginning of this wing. And so it's one of our fundamental missions. If you look at how our Defense Department prioritizes missions across all its entire portfolio of national defense, Homeland Defense is number one. Mm. And so uh, NORAD uh, is, is in our DNA, if you will. It's part of what we do, it's part of what we train to. And so uh, while we do try to take our capabilities as far from U.S. shores as we as we can to keep our enemies at arm's length. Um, some of our enemies, like the Russians, for example, can uh, fly long-range aviation near the United States, and our ability to extend our command and control capabilities beyond ground-based radar systems is integral to what uh, the commander of NORAD expects for us to provide them uh, to uh, continue to make sure that our air sovereignty is preserved. Awesome, that's amazing. So uh, with that said, what missions are the E3s, one of your primary airframes, able to support? So the E3, it's obviously a very versatile and powerful weapon because of its mobility, and in particular because of the capabilities of its sensors, data links, and most importantly, the crew. So what it does is it takes all that communications and all that 
uh, radar detection and sensing capability to 30,000 feet. And so it greatly extends our coverage and our connectivity with the other warfighters that are in an operational airborne environment. And through links and other capabilities, we can integrate with other services, other countries, and really get the God's eye view of everything's happened. And that's what gives us the ability to command the air. And that phrase, command of the air, is a term that was coined during the early days of air power theory. And it really speaks to uh, all the different things we can do to include air superiority, uh, information and decision superiority, command and control and battle management. And with that capability, we can do almost any kind of mission from humanitarian relief and disaster recovery to presidential protection. We obviously support law enforcement agencies with counter drug operations, homeland defense, as we talked about uh, supporting NORAD, and then we can do things overseas like support of uh, no-fly zones or all the way up to major combat operations. So one of the reasons we are America's wing is because we do support so many of America's national security priorities uniquely here uh, in the wing. Right, such a unique skill set. It's amazing. Um, so what type of training exercises such as Red Flag are you guys involved with? So I think that if the Air Force or, or even the Joint Force, in some cases our partners and allies, conduct any kind of exercise that includes the air domain, we're gonna be asked to participate if we're not actually there. Occasionally we have to tell people, no, we can't make it because we're too busy with real world missions. But when we're not doing that, we're definitely participating in red flags. Obviously we participate in green flags, uh, virtual flags. We'll send our crews uh, to do virtual warfare, uh, which is where a lot of our training is now happening in the virtual environment because so many of the high-end capabilities that we have can't be replicated in a, in a live uh, setting unless we're, we're actually uh, having a, an actual conflict. So a checkered flag is another one. Neptune Falcon, Nep Neptune Hawk are some of the exercises we do. Nimble Fire, Resolute Hunter. We also support the weapons school integration phase. So as we're developing the next generations of, of, of weapons officers throughout the Air Force. Having that command and control capability there is extremely valuable to them in their training. So uh, the bottom line is we get to hone our combat capabilities at all these exercises. And then at the same time, we're helping our partners, allies, friends, the Joint Force raise their combat readiness as well. Awesome. And so with that said, we, we did talk a little bit about the uh, Royal Canadian Air Force's 40th anniversary here next month. Uh, how often does the 552 interact with this partnership and this, this detachment? Yeah, I mean, I can't overemphasize that our Canadian detachment is fully integrated into the wing. And so when you talk about America's wing, uh, we're really talking about all of North America, if you will, and can, our Canadian partners are part of that. It's not something where they're on one, one area and we interact with them as much as they are just completely embedded in the wing. So. Uh, their, their personnel hold key rated uh, and technical positions on our E3 crews. They're part of our flying squadrons. They train and deploy with us. They're involved in our Homeland Defense mission, which was the original purpose of having them integrated, but they also go overseas and support uh, contingency operations that we're engaged in right now. And so it's a, it's a virtually seamless partnership. Really, it's a friendship. That's how I look at it. And, and what's great is that they're proud of their Canadian heritage and background, but at the same time, they're, they're super proud of their association with America's Wing. Right, that's incredible. And it's fun to see them walking around the base here. You know, their uniforms obviously stand out. They're different, different but right. uh, it's great. That's good. It's, <laughs> it's good to know the, the partnership. Um, so uh, this may be a very difficult question to boil down into a, a 
30, 60 second <laughs> snippet, but what is the best part of your job, sir? Yeah, that is hard to boil down to, to one or two things. Uh, I just love coming to work every day. And the, and the real reason for that is I get to come in here and really work side by side with America's best, most motivated patriotic sons and daughters that are supporting a nation that's responsible for upholding so many things that we value and that other people around the world value, like liberty, uh, freedom, human rights, the rule of law, those kind of things. And those things don't just exist in and of themselves. They require uh, brave individuals to, to come in and stand up, give an oath, and, and put their lives on the line to make that happen. So uh, the, the best thing for me is to have an opportunity to work with these folks, to help them to be successful every day in whatever way I can. If it's setting the vision, if it's getting them the resources that they need, uh, I'm just proud to have the opportunity to support them for my two years here. Uh, and, and I think they're gonna um, continue to do remarkable things as they go forward. Awesome. Well, you've left a pretty big footprint here over the next, uh, over the past two years. And as you said, you are getting ready to, to head on out of here. So where are you off to and what do you hope for your future? Well, that's a great question. I, maybe <laughs> if you had the answer to that, it'd be wonderful. Uh, I honestly don't know uh, right now. The, the gurus that, that make assignment choices for people like me are, are working hard to find the right place. So I honestly do not know. And I honestly don't even have a clue right now where it might be. Um, which is kind of exciting, but it's also terrifying. But uh, I'm, uh, it gives me the benefit, obviously, of focusing and continuing to focus 100% on the wing right. right now. And so I'm going to continue to do that. And even once I find out where I'm going, I'll continue to focus 100% on the wing until I hand that guide on off to the next lucky commander of America's wing. Awesome. Well, with that said, Colonel Weiss, thank you so much for sitting down and, and having this chat with us this morning. Um, it's been great. Your wing is amazing. Your time here has been amazing. And uh, you guys do have a unique, amazing mission. Thank you for everything you guys are doing. Uh, with that said, thank you for joining us this month on Tinker Talks. Uh, if you want to know more about the 552 or Tinker in itself, just follow us on all the social medias. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you next month.